Well, hello and welcome to The Wine List, which is a podcast for people who like wine, like tasting wine, think it's a bit of a complex and complicated and intimidating subject, but think, hell, I want to know more about it anyway. My name is Oliver Turnbull and I'm playing the part of someone who likes wine and wants to know more about it. And my friend of many decades, Mr. Richard Lane, is the expert who's going to take us through the subject. Richard, how are you? Very well, Oliver. Thank you very much. Here we are, episode seven. And all this ep is going to be a major exploration of our senses of smell and taste, okay? Episode seven, can you believe it already? Aromas and flavours and tasting. And you have selected four wines, and I'm assuming for their, maybe for their differentiation, but uh, good examples of wines for a, a sort of beginner like me. Maybe I'm borderline intermediate, but let's call me a beginner. You had the idea that we should probably have a bit of a sniff early doors, right? First of all, let me introduce the wines. And we've got two whites and two reds. Starting off, wine number one, we're in Italy, and we're going to be tasting a Pecorino d'Abruzzo. This is a lovely white wine from central Italy. It's the Wine Society's own and it's 2020, so lovely and young. The second wine, also a white wine, is a really fragrant wine from Argentina. It's called Torrentes. I think we're going to have fun sniffing and tasting this one all. Wine number three, we're in America. We've been deliberately ignoring America, but we are definitely in America this evening because we're tasting a Parker Station Pinot Noir from Santa Barbara, 2018. And wine number four, a 2015 Rioja Reserva. I'm really excited about that. The point is, all these wines are all very different, and I think they're going to give us great opportunities to to explore our, our noses and our noses' ability to detect aromas and our tongues to taste, and for you to you know to broaden your expanding canvas in, in, in the wine world, which I have to say is going brilliantly in this series. I feel my confidence growing, and but it's more, much more important than that. I feel my enjoyment growing. You know, I can appreciate better. And it's almost as if my taste buds and nose buds, more of the science later, are slightly getting more attuned. And it's, it's just simply fun. And these things taste gorgeous. And the way you describe them <laughs> makes me really want to dive in. So four wines from three continents and four countries. Lovely, lovely. And you're going to love this because we're actually going to get a bit of objectivity into this. We're not just going to taste them and say, do we Finally. like them? Yeah, we're almost in spreadsheet territory here also. You're going to enjoy this ooh. episode. Ooh, ooh, so yum. a couple of things to mention. The internationally acclaimed provider of wine education, WSET, Wine and Spirit Education Trust, the body that has given me all my exams, my diploma and my teaching qualifications, they use something called the SAT, Systematic Approach to Tasting, and they have given us permission mission to use their level two because they have different levels of wine education their level two uh, systematic approach to tasting that's going to be our guide of the four wines and i think we should just have a very quick sniff you've got them all poured i know you have no tongues as it were just noses any thoughts on the four wines that's a principle to live uh, by an, any night out smells nice uh, i'll just rotate it around the glass in the way that i'm getting better and better at okay so nothing that jumps out smells perfectly pleasant i'm going to need to have uh, a taste a bit later on i think to um, bring out any subtleties on that one okay. but very very pleasant wine number two just on the nose Ooh, there's a bit more going on there i'm going to say earthy but that's all i'm going to say number three the pinot noir as featured heavily in sideways one of our favorite movies Right, there's something there, which by the time I taste it a little bit later on, I'll know what it is. Okay. There's just a distinct 
smell of something and it's really nice. Number four, the Rioja Reserva 2015. Ooh, totally different again. And there is something in there. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, there is something again. It's a smell of something. I haven't got the adjective, but it's very, very different from the Pinot Noir. Both are nice, but just in their different ways. So I think you've passed the first test, Rich, in terms of having wines from geographically dispersed nature. But also, I think there are going to be comments that we can make that differentiate them on flavour as well. And because we're focusing on uh, taste, aromas and taste, we're going to talk a bit about biology. But you've already neatly said in your intro, Ol, this is about you not doing a wine course and taking a wine exam. As you know, this is not what this podcast is about. This is about you getting more relaxed about wine because you're finding out a bit more about it in a really relaxed kind of easygoing way like this discussion and enjoying it. And enjoyment with wine is so important. And of course, enjoyment just obviously isn't just physically the the aromas and flavours we taste. It's the conversations, the context that, of course, we have the wine in. The general point I want to make here is is this is all about joining up senses. So yes, it might be your views on the appearance of the wine, very much on the nose, the aromas of the wine, the taste when we get round to the tasting later on. It's all about a sensory experience. It's all about good vibes, good vibra hey oh good vibrations. Good lord. And it's it's a fantastic idea to call it good vibrations because I, I believe this might be an opportunity for you to get the old fiddle out. Oh blimey so it is. I nearly forgot the old fiddle. Excellent. Right. Right. I'll just do some work on that. Before we just go into the tasting, I mean, one of the things that's um, really pleasing about this and how I'm sort of getting into it, it's it's not just a confidence thing, although that comes with it. It's just the interest, really. Fascinating subject is, actually, before we go into tasting, I think it will be rather remiss for us not to mention a story that you talked to me about uh, when we last spoke in the week about when you, <laughs> as a student of wine, you actually lost your taste recently. I did. This was March last year, 2020. I didn't get tested at the time or, or a diagnosis, but I'm assuming it was it was COVID because my sense of smell and taste didn't dis- totally disappear. It wasn't I got nothing, but everything I tasted tasted sort of like weird cardboard. For example, I got out a Greek white wine called Asiatico, which is quite a complex, lovely white wine. Had a sip, I thought, oh, golly, that's awful. It's off or it's corked or something. It was just not good. bit cross because I was really looking forward to tasting it. So I thought, cheer myself up. Oh, good. Well, I've got a nice cab from um, California. Let's um, have that instead. You know, you couldn't get more different from a Greek white than a Californian cab. Opened it up, had a sip. Guess what? Tasted exactly the same. My taste buds are gone. And I, th- oh, no. and I thought, oh, crikey. And I've got my final exams coming up for my WSET diploma. But the pandemic obviously was affecting people, not just myself, my taste buds, others much more seriously. And the exams were mercifully were postponed. And by the time they were rescheduled, the final exams, which included a whole day of blinking blind tasting, nightmare. My um, sense of smell and taste had returned. And happily, I got through the exams. And here we are. Well, let's get into it. I know there's some biology, which uh, I, w- I also find, find interesting. Let, let's get into the biology of uh, the link between smell and taste. I think most people realise that smell and taste are inextricably linked, but I'm not sure that people have quite the understanding about of, of how important the sense of smell is. That's right. It's very easy to think, obviously, that the, the real enjoyment, <laughs> obviously, we uh, comes from, from tasting the wine. But the sense of smell is incredibly important. The simplest way to imagine this is, 
everyone's experienced this. When they've had a heavy cold and their nose is blocked and their sinuses are blocked, you get less pleasure from food and, and flavours in food when you've got a cold because you can't taste properly because your nose is bunged up. And that is because the tongue, with its five main senses on the tongue, sweetness, saltiness, sour, savoury and bitterness, they do a basic job. The subtleties come from our ability to smell. Whilst you've got those five basic sense areas of the tongue, when it comes to smell, we've got millions of receptors in our upper nasal cavity, our sort of sinus area, and they all feed up into something called the olfactory bulb. Lovely term, olfactory bulb in the brain, which does the processing and starts trying to make sense of all the incredible subtle detections of, of aromas and flavours that are, that are coming up as a result of the combined action of tasting and smelling. And, and when I taste wine at uh, professional wine tastings or whatever, I will take a tiny sip in my mouth and I will then sort of breathe in and you know without swallowing the wine so I can actually get some aeration going through my mouth into my nasal cavity to help me understand the wine better. It's the nose that's doing most of the work. So, oh, I think this is a good moment to introduce the systematic approach to tasting wine, the SAT. What do you think of it? I absolutely love it, as you predicted. You know me too well. It was like, all oh, this is very complex and very nice and very much fun, but let me get down to characterizations and categorizations, please. And you said, okay, this WSET Level 2 Systematic Approach to Wine, the SAT, is marvellous. It also sort of gives you a, a little bit of a, an index of things to look for. So it breaks things down by appearance, colour, the nose, the palate, the acidity, the finish, the body, the alcohol content, the tannin, etc. for red wines. Actually, stuff you've taught me already, but it has it all categorised and tells you what to look for. And yes, ultimately, very spreadsheetable. And then it talks about the primary, secondary and tertiary, which I'm very interested in, both to experience and you know, what makes something primary, secondary and tertiary. And would you believe it, within primary, secondary and tertiary, the possible flavours are categorised. So it sort of gives you a, an idea of um, things that might jump into your mind uh, when you smell these things. So it's really going to help me, I think, describe the wine in about as an objective way as you can get. Because, of course, we've talked a lot about subjectivity and what might go with what and what certain people particularly like and whether a wine's good for a picnic or a dinner but this attempt does a very good job of it of applying some objectivity to this and of course like any taxonomy i'm very keen on it and let's use it yeah absolutely and i think we should just explain to listeners who are thinking what are they talking about wset sat level two um, we will put details on the website and where you can get the sat from it is copyrighted it is wset's intellectual property but you'll be able to get get it from them we'll put details up on the website the main things we're talking about other than appearance which all can just cover very quickly we're talking about using the nose and the tongue to assess each wine that we're tasting the four wines tonight in these three categories primary secondary and tertiary and very simply primary relates to the aromas and flavors of viticulture of the grapes themselves so it might be something as simple as the fruit profile of the grapes and if that's uh, white grapes in a white wine we might be talking about things that we've already discussed with Chablis and all the other wines we've tasted in this series so far things like perhaps citrus fruit green fruit like apple or maybe peach stone fruit those sorts of things if we were talking about a red wine we'd be probably just saying is it more red fruit than black fruit is it more sort of strawberry yeah. raspberry than black currant and um, you know blueberry that sort of thing then when it comes to secondary and not all wines have primary secondary and tertiary part, part of the, the fun of this is, is is when you start 
analyzing wine is to say, right, okay, has it got primary? Secondary relates to aromas and flavors that are a result of winemaking, i.e. after the fermentations happened in the winery, there may be some, some flavors that we can detect that relate to decisions made by the winemaker. That might relate to things like oak, for example. We've talked about oak uh, quite a bit in the last step. So primary sort of viticulture, secondary kind of winemaking, and tertiary, these are more rare. Tertiary relates to evolution of aromas and flavors once the winemaking has taken place. So this might be flavours that evolve in the bottle. Some of the most prized wines in the world, as we've discussed, they're not ready for drinking when they're young. They have to develop. They need time, either in the maturation process in oak, for example, before they're bottled, or they can even develop flavours once they've been bottled. And that might be things like fruit that was primary and fresh has become dried fruit. It might be things like earth or mushroom or some of these quite complex aromas and flavours. It might be sort of almost like a leathery or savouryness that you get. These are sort of tertiary flavours that uh, we might be looking for. We're not going to get them in all the wines. Let's see whether we get them in any of the wines tonight, but I'm hoping we'll certainly have a bit of primary, secondary and tertiary across the four wines. It's funny with this tasting lark, it's a little bit like I used to do improvisation just for fun and it really is fun, but you've sort of got to dive in and um, give yourself license to say what the first thing is on your mind. No one's going to judge you. And it's a little bit like that with, with tasting. You know, fruit and sweet is, is pretty obvious. But when you're sort of talking things like wet dog leather, the inside of a pair of marigold gloves, that kind of thing, it, you, you can sometimes feel embarrassed. But I mean, you're very good at sort of guiding me through and giving me the license, if you like, to say, you know, the first thing that comes into my head and sort of build on that. And without sort of leading the witness, you get out of me what I'm trying to say, because we've mentioned this a lot, that difficulty you have in describing a, a taste in, in the same way that you have difficulty in describing a piece of music sometimes because it doesn't really lend itself to our vocabulary. No, this will definitely help. Brilliant. And just to add that the inside of a pair of Marigold gloves is not on the WACT um, <laughs> in the WACT SAT lexicon. That's in the Oliver Turnbull lexicon. But also to make the point that the lexicon of the SAT is not exhaustive and it's just there as a guide. And if you think of something else is a better descriptor, you would use it and that's fine. What's next? Actually tasting? Let's look at the wines. Oh, wine number one, our Pecorino d'Abruzzo 2020 Wine Society. It's around £11. So, oh, you've got the SAT there. Spend no more than a second on the appearance. I'm guessing it's pale lemon. It is very pale. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pale lemon indeed. What are you getting on the nose? I fancy I'm, I'm getting citrus fruit, but I am not absolutely sold on that just yet. Okay. I am getting a bit of that too. And I'm also getting something a little bit herbal. Makes me think of herbs. I don't know, maybe fennel or something or dried herbs, something like that. Do you think the wine is hopping out of the glass? So do you think it's pronounced in terms of its aromas or do you think it's sort of very quiet or do you think it's somewhere in the middle? I would say medium to quiet um, because some of the wines that we've tasted kind of burst out the glass as, so as soon as you start doing the swirly thing. And this one didn't quite. I would agree with that. So again, this is us assessing whether the wine's aromas are light, medium or pronounced. And I would go medium. Absolutely. Okay. So that's a good little okay. start. So, so we're following the SAT. You've described the appearance. It's medium intensity in terms of its nose. We've suggested that we're in the primary territory of maybe citrus fruit. I think, I think maybe there's a bit of green fruit as well, maybe a bit of apple and some herbs we've mentioned. Let's taste it. Just a little sip, give it a good swell. Try and breathe in as you're tasting. So to get those aromas going up into your olfactory bulb. Oh, wait a minute. 
there's apple going on. I'm pretty convinced. Kind of nice ripe apple. How do you find the acidity here? Dribbleometer, please. Yeah, there's dribble going on. There's acid here. Is the wine dry or sweet or somewhere in between? Mm. Fairly dry, but not insanely dry. Yeah. With the palate, the wine is dry. The wine has a, a quite high acidity, actually. I think we could actually say high acidity. I had quite a big dribble. I, I did too. I think there's high acidity here. The alcohol is something we assess. And the way you assess alcohol really is, if you're getting a bit of a burn at the back of your mouth, that means the alcohol is high. If the wine is quite light-bodied and you're not really noticing much weight or sense of alcohol, then, then it's low. And the chances are it's probably in the middle. What do you think? I will say... There's something in there going on, for sure, alcohol-wise. I drank a lot of beer in the past and can tell, you know, quite easily whether something is around the four or around the five. And I'd say that is not not mad high, but it's it's there's, there's alcohol there for sure. So me- medium to high. Yeah, medium alcohol. And looking at the, the details, alcohol 13%. High alcohol would be 14% or above. Low alcohol would be 11% alcohol or below. Most wines are in between and are medium. Very good. What about the body? This is a more difficult thing to assess, but it's this thing I've been alluding to in previous eps. It's the weight of the wine in your mouth. And obviously, the more experience you have, the easier it is to do. If you had water in your mouth, it would be so thin, wouldn't it? Water doesn't have much weight. Of course, it's water. So compared to a sip of water which would obviously be light. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Whereas a, a cup of Bovril would be... <laughs> yeah, could be full-bodied, absolutely. So it's about trying to assess the kind of... You know, you're a physicist, or you remember surface tension, I suppose. We're talking about the, the viscosity and the surface tension of, of the fluid in your mouth. Ooh, tricky. That is tricky. Mm. Blimey. I don't feel qualified, but damn it, I'm going to have a go. One more sip. I'm getting confused now because this is a white wine, right? Yeah. And I'm assuming that red wines by their nature have a have more body or am I... Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Ah, not necessarily. No, no. I want to say for a white wine, this has plenty of body. It's medium bodied. I'd say it's on the sort of slightly medium plus side of, of, of medium bodied. It's not full bodied. And if we were drinking a really chunky, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out when we taste <laughs> one of the other wines oh. this evening. Then with the SAT, we then talk about the flavour intensity. And this is where you should be hopefully finding some parallel, some correlation between what you are detecting on your nose with what's going on with your tongue. They don't have to be in sync, but they usually are. We said this wine had medium intensity on the nose and that we picked up primary aromas on the nose of citrus and green fruit and herbs. And on the palate... Do you think this wine is, wow, it's got so much intense flavour? Do you think, golly, it hasn't got much going on at all, it's very light, or is it somewhere in the middle? Right, definitely not wow. And by the way, before we go on, the the biggest wow we've had was uh, um, a a red that we tasted a while ago. And, And I have, up until this point, assumed that, generally speaking, the big wows were in the reds. And I'm starting to think I might be erroneous in that assumption and that I should forget that it's a white or a red and I should classify it just as a white. Absolutely. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, fine. It's human nature. We have presuppositions. We have prejudices. And we like to take shortcuts. It helps us make decisions. But no, you're absolutely right. White wines can be full-bodied and absolutely explosive in flavour. I mean, take Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc, for example. It's pretty full-on. Yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah? You're right. It absolutely was. By the way, I'm loving the way that you're overlapping a bit of psychology into this. So quite a few of the sciences are covered. A bit of biology, a bit of psychology, a bit of physics. Lovely. It's great, isn't it? And it's all these, yeah, in, yeah. It's all these intersections of disciplines. Yeah, so that's, the, uh, that's what it is. This is, is what, why wine just grabs me by the throat and shakes me because it's, as again, I've mentioned in previous episodes, geography, 
meteorology, soil biology, microbiology, <laughs> biochemistry, marketing, PR, <laughs> physics. Oh my God, it's a whole lot. It's ridiculous, isn't it's it? It's a whole blinking lot. Just in this delicious liquid. Absolutely. Oh, I'm glad we started on this journey. So that, look, I'm going to say it is. it does not leap out the glass at me because yeah. it, it, it doesn't leap out the glass like others. We're just describing the character of this wine and very much that the, the, the palate, the intensity of the flavours on the palate of the Pecorino absolutely mirror what we picked up on the nose, i.e. medium intensity, quite straightforward, citrus, definitely some lemon, some grapefruit, apple we picked up pear would be great too i don't think we're even going into riper fruit because in primary with white wines you can start going into stone fruit peach and apricot even through to tropical banana lychee mango for really really ripe fruit i don't think ripe fruit sort of flavors i think this is still very much delicious but in the sort of citrus and green fruit territory would you agree i would and also i'm very interested in what you say about ripe fruit territory if we're going into ripe fruit territory as you call it so <laughs> up the fruit tree uh, no pun intended does that mean generally more taste more sophistication or is it just different is it a matter of it, taste? it's different and not all grape varieties can do it because grape varieties differ but you do have some grape varieties particularly ones that can be many faces to many situations. Chardonnay, we mentioned last time, being a good example. When Chardonnay is cool climate and when the ripening opportunities are a bit more limited, Chardonnay will be citrus and green fruit generally, like Chablis, the basic Chablis. When Chardonnay gets a bit warmer, so further south in Burgundy, you can start getting slightly riper fruit flavours from the Chardonnay and you'd probably be in the peach, apricot, nectarine territory. When you ripen Chardonnay in a very warm climate, examples would be parts of Australia, uh, warmer parts of California, for example, there will be others. Chardonnay can take on aroma and flavour characteristics of banana, mango, pineapple, really ripe fruit. So it's almost like a spectrum. If you picture in an axis of kind of cool climate flavours on the left and warm climate flavours on the right and Chardonnay's moving through the gears. Not all grape varieties can do that. That can be a helpful way of looking at it because some grape varieties can taste different depending on how ripe they are. Two immediate questions. One is, is that one, is that one of the things that makes Chardonnay popular? It's almost, <laughs> you're almost saying it's like a versatile grape. Yeah. That's one question. And then secondarily, when you're picking a Chardonnay, if you're someone who quite likes the tropical end, you will clearly look to see where the Chardonnays come from and say, actually, I think I'll go for the Australian Chardonnay over the over the uh, uh, Argentinian because you've you've got a feeling that that will give you a, a different flavour that you find pleasant. So we're now getting into the territory of picking out wines on a wine list by their grape and also by their location. That's right. Oh, but uh, I've, got, wow. I've got bad news for you, though. If you say it's more complicated than that, I really will go mad. It's more complicated than that. That's fine. No problem. <laughs> because... <laughs> It's so much down to the choice of the people producing the wine as to the style of the wine they want to produce. So ah. what has been the reaction to the anything but Chardonnay movement that we discussed earlier on in the series? Loads of winemakers in Australia, they'll say, well, that's fine. My climate's warm, but you know what? I want to make a cool <laughs> expression of Chardonnay. <laughs> so they'll pick their grapes a little bit earlier. And in the winemaking as well, there are tricks you can do to keep acidity high whether you're going to stir the, the dead yeast cells in to make it creamy or not. These can all affect the style of the wine. So it would be lovely and simple to say, ah, this Chardonnay is from Australia. Therefore, it is going to taste just like this because you will be disappointed. You may be lucky, oh, but, yeah. but you may be, chances are you'll be unlucky. How do you find the length 
of wine number one, the Pecorino. Not great. Not not nearly as great as some of the wines you've tasted. By great, I mean long. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think it's just about a medium finish. No more than that. There you go, Ol. You've described using the WSET-SAT for level two, level of wine education. You've described this wine. We're going to go on and taste the second wine. Wine number two, Ol. I'll do the very quick look test. It's slightly less pale. Let's go to the nose. Oh, there is something there. Something inside so strong, uh, to quote Labby Sifri, but I can't quite yet put my finger on it. So I'm looking at male to sat to give me some inspiration. Primary, secondary, tertiary. Are we smelling, detecting aromas of the grape variety? Are we getting any aromas from winemaking? Oak being the obvious thing, vanilla, smoke, cloves, that sort of thing. If it's um, seen oak, this wine. This is a 2019 so i think we can discount tertiary straight away let's just focus on the primary again all how does the sat guide us when we're looking at primary for a white wine most young wines will have a fruit profile of some some kind even if it's limited just think of fruit so difficult so difficult i feel like i'm failing you no no not at all what about the intensity do you think it's is it hopping out of the glass more than the other i haven't tasted it yet but i have smelt it should i be tasting it now Let's have a little taste. And it is, on the nose, there is more here than than the Pecorino. Absolutely. I think it would be not quite pronounced, but on the way between medium and pronounced. Not very helpful. But anyway, I think the best thing to do is taste it. And we'll maybe look at the nose again when we're tasting. Because remember, all tasting and nosing, it's all part of the same gig. Mm. Right. Looking at the SAT, first question is, is the wine dry or sweet or somewhere in between? Does the wine leave your palate dry or with any detectable sweetness dry I, I i can't get much fruit and i'm very cross with myself but i'm starting to get less cross with myself because it's not all about that but i am getting something spicy or herbaceous there is some nice herbaceousness a little bit of grassiness a little bit of yeah yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit of fennel maybe a little bit of blossom or, or something or honeysuckle i think i think there's quite a lot of floral and herbal going on here oh the main fruit i picked up more on the palate than I have to say on the nose. There's one fruit I think is, is quite strong on this wine. And don't beat yourself up that you didn't pick it up. And that is grapefruit. Okay. There's a bit of grapefruit and peach going on. This is all within the primary fruit descriptors provided by the SAT. Sometimes a good thing, particularly with white wines, all wines actually, even if you don't know what is in there, you can just ask yourself the question, is this wine aromatic or not? If it's aromatic, it means that aromas and flavours will be pretty obvious and you'll be thinking, oh, hello, I'm getting something here. But quite often, this is the tough bit about wine assessment. Sometimes they're quite neutral and it's quite hard to say what's going on. They're definitely non-aromatic. This wine, this Torontes from Argentina, it's pretty aromatic. It's slightly less acidity than the, the Pecorino. I'd say me- medium acidity is fine here. Alcohol and body. It seems very similar to the last one. Spot on. It's medium alcohol, 13%, same as the Pecorino. I'd say similar body, actually, to the Pecorino. I'm frustrated at not being able to get the fruit. I'm trying to see grapefruit, and I think I can, but I just think it's because I'm trying too hard. There seems to be some sourness in there, but maybe I'm just cross with this wine because it isn't fruity enough. There are some sour herbs in, in wine number two. Sour is one of the tongue's main receptors. There's something slight, slight bitter sort of herbal thing that goes a bit bitter towards the end. It's slightly hard work, wine number two and wine number one, I would say. If you go back to wine number one, or if you've got some, some of wine number one. What a great expression. It's a bit hard work. This is where, again, it comes into like describing music, musical passages. Some of these things really, really work. 
as descriptors. I know what you mean. Hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit kind of, it's not the friendliest of wines. You've, you, you know, it's, it's kind of saying, yeah, you can taste me if you really want to, but I'm not totally pleased that you're tasting me. You know, I'm going to give you a slight hard time here. Like cats versus dogs. So this is a cat <laughs> type wine. Yeah, there was a dog. Would you drink me? Drink me. I'm great. God, good to see you. Yeah, get get a little hit from me. I just retasted the, the Picorino and it, it felt, oh, I'm going to say less harsh. It just felt more friendly. It just felt more smooth. It's a Labrador puppy to the um, to the Toronto's aloof cat. I don't think one is, and this is not about whether we like the wine more or not, or we've just said we do, but when it comes to assessing the wine, coming back to objectivity. So on the palate, we've said it's dry. The Toronto's wine number two, dry with medium acidity, medium body, medium alcohol, medium flavour intensity, I would suggest. Again, mainly the grapefruit, the peach, the herbs, the slightly bitter herbs. And the finish? So the finish was quite long and there was a difference to it. Slightly, a slight bitterness to it, maybe. Yes. The bitterness that we picked uh, up was in the finish. Yes, exactly. I think it's a medium finish. So actually, wines number one and two... In terms of how we've assessed them, the point is the profile of wines number one and two, okay, we've come up with different descriptors, but actually if you look at their acidity, their dryness, their body, their length, actually they're quite similar, even though they're two quite different wines. Okay, all reds time and Pinot Noir time. Quick word about sideways. Are, are you Miles or are you Jack? Oh, what a great question. So what I like about Miles, I'm, I'm, I'm Miles, basically, because he's, he's cynical, he's world weary, he's um, unsuccessful. And like a lot of unsuccessful creative people, he feels he should be successful. He's unnecessarily angry and grumpy. And although I, I'm not like that, I really like that kind of character. I do like those characters who are um, un, unhappy, borderline, unpleasant, but they have a big heart. Whereas his mate is a lot more jolly, but actually... Does he have a big heart or is he incredibly shallow? So um, I'd, I, I'd like to think I'm Miles. What about you? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> ditto. I mean, Jack is, I can't remember the actor's name who plays Jack. But yeah, he's bloody good. He's really, really good. Because Jack is the kind of once famous actor, isn't he? Who's now just doing voiceovers. That's right. And, 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 and part of the plot of the film is the waitress recognises him from the series that he was famous in a decade ago. And, and that sort of all gets exciting for them, doesn't it? I'd rather be Miles. I'd rather be Miles than Jack. Funny, funny film. Just a, a quick key point on, on what it did to the wine world. It's all set in... Oh, this is fascinating. Yeah, and a bit frightening. Yeah. It's all set in the Santa Ynez Valley, which is sort of central coast part of California. So north of LA, but heading down that way. Pinot Noir. Basically, Miles, who's a bit of a wine snob, has a problem with Merlot. <laughs> And he does not want to drink Merlot. Merlot. And he only wants to drink Pinot Noir. Miles won't drink Merlot, even though Merlot is easily produced and a lot of people love it. It's very fruity, a very accessible type of grape variety. Not good enough. The wine stop, Miles, it's got to be Pinot Noir. And as a result of this film hole, sales of Merlot-dominated wines fell through the blinking floor yeah, and the so demand for Pinot Noir went through the roof. I did notice that the demand for Pinot Noir went went up more explosively than the um, collapse 
of the Merlet. Yeah. But even so, it's frightening. Do you know, I cannot stand that kind of snobbery. It's like, with, again, we. I mean, I refer to music a lot and I love my music, mostly popular music and rock music, but I cannot bear these people who are snobbery about pop. Some of pop music is absolutely fantastic. ABBA, for example, and the Sugar Babes. These are my two great examples of brilliant pop music. And I think it's the same with wines, you know. It, it just depends. There's good pop music and there's bad pop music. There's good funk and there's bad funk. There's good rap and there's bad rap. There's good um, prog rock and there's bad prog rock. Dip in, stop being so restrictive and stop being so snobby. It is so, so true. And we all know that. The ABBA's a good one. You know, you would have got beaten up at my school for saying you liked yeah, ABBA. Yeah, me too. You just, and we went to nice grammar schools. Well, yeah, you just <laughs> couldn't say that. And whether you like the song or not is another matter. And this is the corollary with, with the assessment, trying to be objective about assessing our wines all. You may not like the song, but you might recognise that it's well made or well produced mm. or has good elements. Ooh, interesting. Sometimes it's recognising the qualities, like our Beach Boys, our Good Vibrations, you know, the, 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 the title of this ep. Everyone's, oh, good vibrations. Everyone knows that. Sit down and listen to that track. Mm. There is so much going on in that track. It's quite complex. It's the craft, isn't it? If you know, I mean, you know a lot more about music than I do, being a sort of pucker musician who does actual concerts rather than caterwauls in his own uh, basement. Um, <laughs> but you can start to appreciate the craft that goes into those harmonies in the Beast Boy songs, whether exactly as you say, whether you like them or not. And you're saying, I think, that uh, when it, comes to wine taste you have your own taste but you also have your own ability to appreciate something that might not necessarily be something to your taste i think we've hit on quite a, a useful analogy which probably has been made before about 10 million times i'd imagine i suspect it's not original all but hey i'm feeling quite good <laughs> just at yeah. the moment let's yeah. let's taste our pinot noir from santa barbara california 2018 all from the Wine Society, of course, these wines. This one's £13.95. If that sounds a lot of money, that's not a great deal of money for a Pinot Noir, particularly from California. Now on. Impressions, please. Mm. Nose followed by palate. I love the smell of this baby. I absolutely... I, I've got a feeling it's going to be reasonably tanniny. The uh, colour is a bit ruby. Pinot Noir, I do know, although I can't see it, is not deep ruby. It's quite a pale grape variety. Would you say this is pale ruby or medium ruby? Oh yeah, no, it's quite pale actually, when I hold it up to the light. It's funny, of course, you mentioned you can't see. I'm not sure whether <laughs> people realise yeah, you can't haven't, see. We haven't, oh yeah, oh well. Um, hello everyone, I can't see. <laughs> haven't seen. <laughs> haven't. This is Richard. He can't see. Haven't seen for 30 years, but it doesn't stop me having a really terrible time doing blind tasting, <laughs> yeah, where the first right. question is what does the bloody thing look like? I know very well. I was living with you at the time, yeah. This is pale. Yeah, pale ruby. I'm holding it up to the light now. And I love the smell. Oh, damn it. What is that smell? Ah, It's beautiful. Well, I won't go on. Taste it all. No, I'm not sure. It is that mega tannin actually. Good boy. Think of primary. Now you're tasting okay. it. Have a sip. Look at the SAT. Red wine. If I said to you, does this remind you of strawberries? and raspberries and red cherries or is it dark and black currant and blackberry and all of that which one would you go for i was going to say red currant or red fruit but, correct um oh really this is classic pinot noir assessment qualities red fruit dom dominant absolutely and golly yeah, oh red currant definitely it's, yeah and definitely yeah and and taste it all i know we're not comparing it with a with a pinot noir maybe from burgundy which would be a good contrast but this is california this is america they like the fruit 
very much and the, the climate helps of course the ripeness of the fruit here this is such ripe red fruit strawberries raspberries red currant it's all really ripe red fruit from california here you know what it, it really is it really is i was getting the currants but I, the, the, there's the berry as well the strawberry is there cherry i think there is you know i think i can just about yeah squeeze out a cherry lovely ripe red fruit basically oh i can just get a whiff of something smoky on this it's very subtle i'm not expecting you to pick it up oh because you haven't tasted and assessed as much wine as me obviously just suggests to me that this wine may have seen a touch of oak so I think there's a little bit of secondary going on here, as well as the primary. Am I getting anything tertiary? This is a 2018. It's a youngish, well, three-year-old wine. It's absolutely lovely. But its hallmark is, it's California Dreaming. Sorry, it's, oh, that was another, <laughs> that wasn't the Beach Boys, was it? California Dreaming. But, you know, that was the Mamas and the Papas, I think. It was the Mamas and the Papas. Equally good five-part harmonies. So. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I love those tracks. This is really shouting out, this is summer, this is red fruit, this is happy. Oh, yeah. It is, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, I just bought myself another glass. There's a massive hit, a lovely plume, if you like, uh, of the red fruit you're talking about. I haven't got the smokiness yet. Very subtle. And again, I only got a whiff of it on the nose. I think yeah. I just got a whiff of it on the nose. I think I'm tasting any oak on the palate. But so just to summarise, I mean, this is interesting. Oh, this wine is dry. OK, there's a tiny suggestion of sugar because the fruit is so ripe. Yeah, it gives you a perception of sweetness, but the wine is leaving your mouth as a dry wine. There may be a tiny bit of residual sugar, but you can still be a dry wine even with a tiny amount of residual sugar. Let's not go into the complexities of that. The acidity is high. My mouth would agree with you. It's uh, I'm, I'm watering up beautifully. Really, really, yeah. Bit of a almost waterfall time. So it's dry with high acidity. As it's a red wine, we've got to talk tannins. You're supposition was you thought the tans would be high but i was so pleased as soon as you tasted it you went oh no they're not they're low and you're spot on the tannins Brilliant. are low pinot noir is a low tannin variety would be medium right, at good. tops but you correctly assess this wine the tannin they're there i've got a tiny little bit of coating of, of the gums a little bit on the teeth but tannins are low what about the alcohol and the body oil i think this is quite boozy yeah i do Spot on, well detected. It's 13.9. And the reason it's 13.9 is that I'm not suggesting that the producers are pulling the wool over our eyes, but 14 is high territory. And it's quite interesting how many wines you find that are 13.9 because I think they want this wine to be medium. And I think it's right on the border of high alcohol, but there is more weight than, than the two whites. So, and you can just, I'm not getting a burn, but it's a tiny little bit of heat. Yes. You're getting Most a tiny bit of heat, a little bit of warmth. Yes, I'd say warmth rather than heat. Better. Yeah. yeah. Body is. It's not full-bodied, but it's nice and ripe and medium. It's kind of on the higher end of medium-bodied, I'd say. And the finish, oh? Yeah, I was thinking about the finish, and then I forgot what I thought about it. So I'm going to try it again. I think I thought it was lengthy, but I'm now going to say average because it's faded away by now. And I just had a tiny little sip. Lovely just. finish assessment, oh. And mm. you, oh, thank you. And it is absolutely medium. You're absolutely spot on. I'm still tasting a little bit of something else, but the actual fruit, remember we talked about this in a previous app. Ah, yeah, it's a finish, a long finish or a medium finish, but is it a good medium finish or a good long finish? This is all about the fruit and the fruit is there for a bit and it dies, I'd say, after about 15 seconds, something like that. So it's not short. Yeah. And it's not long. Yeah. And my assessment, do you know, have, have you noticed I'm more confident than I'm getting? Oh, my assessment is this. I'm just like, yes! I'm going to be one of those old bores <laughs> in a restaurant who's <laughs> overweight and uh, suffering from gout, but is going to have his say. 
uh, about the wine. It's, and I'm saying this is a decent finish and it's one that um, it seems to sort of fade away consistently. So you don't have a different flavour in the finish. You have the same flavour in the finish, but sort of just fading away uh, at a nice pace. Because in some of the other wines, I've had a finish which is different and sometimes not quite as pleasant. But, but this one is a consistent finish that kind of fades away. You've just really accurately described this wine all. Well done. Yeah, very kind. I quite enjoyed that. And there was a familiarity about it as well, which was nice. So I've obviously tasted, yeah, I know I've tasted the old Pinot Noir in the past, and I would confidently order it now, knowing what I was going to get. Hurrah, another tick. Let's look at our fourth wine. This is the Wine Society's Rioja Reserva, and they tell us in the notes that this comes from the um, Rioja Alta region, which is you know, a good thing. That's a, a good area of Rioja. It's quite a large area of Rioja. Wines can be variable. They can be very simple and kind of sort of good average, acceptable to good quality right through to the super, super duper ones. Let's mm. look at this wine. This is a... Re- but before we do, you have to answer one question, which is... Oh, yeah. Reserva. Si. What does that mean? Ah, uh, yeah. Well done. It's going to come to that, but you got there first. So keen. Reserva is an indication of the ageing of the wine. Um, and how much aging the wine has had before it is released. And so without going through all the Rioja classifications, because that would be a bit dull, the word reserva just tells you that the wine has been aged for a minimum of three years. So it's an age indication. And so does age mean quality? What do you think? Is it better quality if it's older? Ah, it depends, Rich. Oh, oh, you can't say that. Uh, (laughs) You drive me crazy. uh, Uh, I know all your tricks. Yeah, it does depend, of course. It just tells you, a bit like Appalachian Controle, tells you that a wine's definitely come from this place. doesn't tell you that the wine is great quality. Might be, might not be. Well, you know, the Appalachian Controle, and of course the equivalent in Spanish, Rich, is uh, an indication of authenticity, not an indication of quality. I thank you. Goodness me. Who's running this show? You or me? <laughs> Flipping egg. Okay. <laughs> the student becomes the master. I think I've got quite a long way before that happens, but I'm learning. Good boy. You certainly are. So good. That's it. So this this Rioja uh, Reserva, I have to say, generally does indicate quality a bit because you would only really, if a producer was worth his or her salts, they would only produce a Reserva with the ageing that's required in a really good vintage. Because if you put fruit that's not particularly ripe or not great because the vintage the weather hasn't been great the qualities of the fruit will have faded by the time it the consumer has it you need i've said this before but to have really great wines you've got to have fantastic fruit and that comes from the fantastic viticulture that we discussed last week so optimal ripening of the fruit combined with things like acidity a bit of winemaking maybe some barrel contact some 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 wood wood is important in rioja unquestionably this is a classic old school Reserva Rioja, and I want you to tell me about it. It's pale red. It's very similar to the Pinot Noir. If I had a gun to my head, I'd say it's a little bit darker. Okay. I'm spinning it round in my glass. Is it definitely red? Is it not going a bit garnety, a bit kind of pillar box red at the edges? Is it still that nice ruby colour? Ruby and a bit pillar box, I would say. On the nose. What are you noticing? Yeah. Uh, Like I said when I first snipped it earlier on... Oh, damn it. There's something there which is really distinctive, but I cannot for the life of me find the word. Look at the SAT. Might help you. Look at secondary and tertiary descriptors on the SAT for red wines, and that may give you a few clues. Oh, what the hell? Oh, hang on. Damn, it's gone again. 
there was something that it absolutely smelt of and it's gone. Ah, this is frustrating. Now. That's all right. Don't worry. Taste it. Oh, what is it? This is driving me nuts. Is it woody? Yeah. Is it oaky? I think there might be something oaky going on. You are picking up oak. Absolutely. Oh, right. But let's look at it systematically. This is the systematic approach to tasting wine. Which I claim to enjoy. So let's, let's go by it. Let's stick to yeah. the rules, uh, young Oliver. <laughs> Primary, secondary and tertiary. Primary. Are there flavours? And we're on to the palate now. Fruit. Red fruit or black fruit? Or both. Can be both. Doesn't have to be one or t'other. Hmm. I... Oh. Yeah, this is so difficult. I'm going to have to have another taste. But I'm not getting stressed. Don't get stressed. It because this is this is supposed to be a, enjoyable. Absolutely. And people are thinking, guys, what great variety is that? Because Rioja is a region, not a great variety. Very much dominated by the signature grape of Spain and a Rioja, Tempranillo. If I had to put a gun to your head, Ol, and say, is it more strawberry or is it more black currant? What would you say? Black. I'd go black. Excellent. I'll ask you one more time. Oh, if I had to say strawberry, red fruits more than black fruits, what do you think it would be? I guess red. I guess I've got to go red. <laughs> it's difficult. I honestly could not do, even at level three, I was struggling to do this and maybe even at diploma level four. Actually, I think there's a bit of both, which is, oh. which is going to annoy you. But, oh, no, it, do you know what? It doesn't annoy me because I actually thought, I thought you were going to, you were going to get me to answer both and then cut it in the edit in the way you wanted to so i am not at all cross because i couldn't differentiate i just couldn't um so actually that's a good answer absolutely the main thing that's jumping up for me and i know the properties of the grape variety which leads me a bit but i think there's quite a strong strawberry ripe strawberry fruit going on here but i'm also getting some kind of red plum and black plum plummy texture as well so i think it's crossing over between red fruit and black fruit absolutely plum i can go for strawberry i really can't i can't get it plum it's almost like the, 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 the plum's dominating but plum I, I can taste it right now in the finish. I think my big problem, Rich, is when it becomes so many flavours going on at one time, it's very, very difficult to differentiate. It is. And this is it. It's so easy to, to feel overstimulated uh, yeah. when there's a lot of stuff going on. I find this being blind all. Everyone assumes I've got better hearing or better other senses. Oh, I know that infuriates you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> It does yeah. drive me a bit crazy. Oh, right. So you must be able to feel things with your fingers really well. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but uh, so although my other senses i don't think are better although you can develop your senses plasticity um, neurologists call it don't they well you can develop your palate you can definitely learn to be a better taster of wine and so there's plasticity there and you can develop your sense of touch otherwise people who become blind would never learn braille because it's so impossible at the beginning and it gets slightly easier but i'm still rubbish at it but i hear too much sometimes because brain's not having to filter out visual stimuli so i guess i'm getting a lot same basic hearing as anyone else but the brain's just got more auditory stimuli going on because it's not having to filter out visual stimuli that's the kind of thing that can happen using the music analogy right if i listen to a band now because i've listened to so much music particularly live music you know i'm picking out the bass line so easily i'm picking out the rhythm i'm picking out the lead i'm picking out which you know the snare the snare the bass all the drums, the hi-hat, the cymbal, it becomes much more easy the more you do it. My, is my hearing getting better? Not really. My brain is getting better at, um, at understanding the stimulus. And I remember the two things that got you annoyed when you lost your sight, apart from the fact that it was an awful tragedy. One was, um, oh, so at least you'll be able to hear better. And then you'd 
probably try and punch the person. And the other was, oh, my my mate Steve is blind. You should meet him. As if, well, why? <laughs> you say, it's like saying, oh, I've, I've got a mate who's ginger. You, you two should get together and have a pint. <laughs> well, no. Yeah. My friend's tall as well. You're both about six foot four. You should you should get to have a six foot have a six foot four evening. <laughs> have a, a massively outsized conversation. Uh, those are the two things that got you. Um, yeah, no, you're spot on. They absolutely did. Before I go on, can I just say cheese and or cream cheese? You can. There, I've said it. Any particular reason? I just. I'm getting. I'm getting. Um, I'm getting hungry. No, there was something in this wine. That made me think of, of cheese or cream cheese. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to try it again. Well, do all, and I'm going to jump in now. Red and black fruit for primary. Secondary, winemaking, oak. You mentioned oak. Absolutely, there's oak. It's American oak. Sorry to get a bit granular. But the there's a sweetness, both in the nose and a little bit about the taste. It's not that the wine is sweet. There's an almost a coconutty aroma and flavour, which you learn to recognise when you've tasted 100 Riojas, as I probably have, and, and you haven't. And that comes from a specific form of oak, very traditional in traditional styles of Rioja using American oak, coconut, vanilla, spices, baking spice. What I'm getting all, and I'm smelling the empty glass. I only poured myself a small amount on this gov and I spat. My glass now smells of mushroom and something earthy and slightly leathery. It is the most gorgeous smell in my glass not getting it are you getting any of that at all oh wait a minute there may be some mushroom but it's not <laughs> not mushrooms as we know it jim one more go it's like a savory type thing wow it's almost truffly yes um, oh you're right does that make sense it does. that's it it's, it's, it. it's more truffle than mushroom do you know rich this is unscripted completely but that was the thing I was smelling earlier and it came out as cream cheese and I couldn't put a name on it because I'm not a great fan of truffle. I find it slightly overrated on food. It's truffle. Well, truffle me. You've, you've, you, it is. It's truffle. You've truffled me. I've been truffled. <laughs> that sounds pleasant. <laughs> oh, honestly, that was absolutely genuine. I was not leading you. You picked that. I was going in the suggested mushrooms. You weren't sure it was mushrooms. You said it was truffle and it is a different uh, smell. And having lived in southwest France for a year, I know what truffles smell like. My wife Liz and I made a truffle omelette and I got very excited about it and Liz couldn't understand what all the fuss was about and she was right. But anyway, on that occasion, but truffles do smell different <laughs> to mushrooms. And the point is, you've picked... Never stop getting excited. Carry on. You've just picked up a tertiary aroma. I think we were smelling it more than tasting it. But again, smell and taste is combined in the SAT. We've identified between us clear primary, secondary and tertiary aromas and flavours in this six-year-old Rioja Reserva. The most expensive wine this evening, it has to be said, but it's £16.50. All I will say is there's a lot of wine in here for £16.50. You can spend mm. a lot more money on wine and not get as much as you there's are an awful lot going getting on. here. I'm thrilled with myself for getting that because I know it's right. And I know it's, I mean, you didn't lead me. You just helped me, if you like, because it was definitely the smell. Because I remember being taken by Rami, our friend, one of the four that we get to dinner with constantly. And he took me to this truffle specialist restaurant, a tiny place in France. And it was almost comically truffle-esque. And everything on the menu came with a scraping of truffle, a dusting of truffle, maybe even a chunk of truffle, to the extent where it was like uh, enough truffle already. But what he has left me with is there a, a residual reminder of what truffle tastes like and that is it 
absolutely 100% and how beautiful is that you've sipped a beautiful Rioja Reserva we've broken it down using WACT's SAT to try and be objective as we can about this wine you've identified truffles not me and now you've just told me about the story about when you were in France with Rami at a truffle restaurant how cool is that and again this goes back to what good wine can do when wine has some more complexity about it because let's say it's got particularly when it gets to the tertiary stage it's reminding you of stuff and it's about the way wine reminds us of other things and where we were and holidays and all these things and that was I I never knew that story but I'm really interested that you and Rami did that you've only told me that because you've sipped a Rioja Reserva yeah what an interesting thing to say and remember you sometimes get a waft of, of of a particular smell i got a waft of a particular smell of a kind of soap we used to use at my prep school a school i left in 1976 so i left it 45 years ago and i got a smell of a particular kind of soap boom I was straight back in that washroom <laughs> cleaning off the mug from the rugby game using a pummy stone. Where the hell have pummy stones gone? Piece of volcanic rock to scrape away dirt and skin off small children. <laughs> yeah. In order to scrub your hands raw. But anyway, and that's a very similar thing. So I smelled that smell, didn't know what it was. You said mushroom. And I went straight back to France and Rami and my over truffled meal. Well done, wine. Well, all I think you've done brilliantly. I think we've had a great fun ep here. Just a quick word on on quality, and then I'm going to hand it back to you and uh, to take it away. We've assessed four wines. Our white wines were of good quality. Our Pinot Noir was of very good quality. And our Rioja Reserva was of outstanding quality. Without explaining why that is, I can just tell you that it relates to the factors, the features we've picked out from the SAT that helps us be objective about assessing a wine and ultimately about its quality and above all how amazing is it to taste lovely wine and to have memories of things we've done with our friends and have a chat about it isn't that what it's all about uh, it's incredible i never ever thought about u- using wine as a way to stimulate uh, delightful memories but uh, it did for me the first time completely unscripted as well which is what makes it all the more special i feel like i should um give a quick summary of what I've learned and I've learned a few things many things the first thing is that smell is every bit if not more important than taste when it comes to appreciating and assessing wine in that there are sort of many more receptors if you like stimulating the brain it's quite difficult but it's fun so I'm just in the early foothills as opposed to um, Richard who is uh, something of an expert obviously Uh, and and yet it's still it's still very enjoyable saying what is that what is that smell what is that taste Uh, and how does it relate to the um uh, to the, the the schema that the WSET have put together, which is incredibly useful to stimulate discussion as to how to describe a wine. The other thing that was really interesting, uh, Rich, that I didn't appreciate before was the fact that when you're assessing wine, you have to, if you like, put your personal taste aside and be, you know, totally objective about what this wine is telling you. Even if it's not a wine that you would maybe choose in a restaurant, you could still appreciate the um, artistry, if you like, that's got into making it and the and the, and the tastes and the smells that come out of that particular wine. I never really thought about that as something that was worthy, if you like, but it absolutely is. Also, a little bit like Socrates, the only thing that I do know for certain is that I know very little. I'm pressing slightly, but that's kind of what he said. But that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying myself because it's um it's an awesome journey, actually. And that truffle identification has made my week. 
it's all about good vibrations. It really is. It's about vibes, isn't it? It is. And vibes, by their very nature, are difficult to describe. So I'm tasting something which reminds me of, and the word just really doesn't fall out of my tongue, because actually the last wine descri- it reminded me of an evening with um, Rami and our partners in France, and there's no real adjective to describe that feeling. But uh, it just reminds me of the French culture and the, and the fact that they... <laughs> it's good. It's a good vibration feeling. You feel uh, right. good. I thought you'd just taken leave of your senses. And of course, that's what wine's all about. It, it is about feeling good, just not from an alcoholic hit, but from a from a sensual experience, as you described it earlier in the uh, in the episode. So, thank you very much. What's coming next? We're going to be exploring rosé and. Sp- Sparkling wine. Details will be on the website, but you definitely need to get hold of a Tavel Rosé from the Southern Rhone. And we're going to be tasting some English sparkling wine from Nightimber that is about the same price as champagne. Flipping neck. It better be good. And it's English. Ah. Turn up next week. Well, uh, I think there's no other better way to end an episode than that. Richard, this one has been absolutely fabulous. I've learned a lot. Uh, I've gone from a, a, a really rather anxious taster to one with a, a lot more confidence. Thank you for helping me on the journey and see you next week. Mm-hmm.